This is Free Kick, the podcast aiming for the top corner and part of the Sports Social Network. It's a slightly shorter edition of the show this week as we start to gear up for Euro 2020, but before that, there's a title race to be concluded. Celtic's Fran Alonso and Scott Booth of Glasgow City are going head-to-head for the Women's Premier League title, and we have them both here on Free Kick to preview a dramatic weekend. We also hear from Glasgow City's Janine Van Vake ahead of their big game against Rangers, plus writer for the Times of World Soccer Phil Gordon joins us to discuss Ange Postipoglu and Celtic, plus some chat on Scotland as they enter their final preparations for the big tournament. You're listening to Free Kick. I'm Craig Anderson and welcome to the show. Just when you think the drama of the domestic season is over, along comes the Women's Premier League to add another layer to the excitement. Two teams are in for the title in Glasgow City, who are three points ahead of Celtic, while Rangers are also looking to gatecrash the top two for that prestigious Champions League spot. To do that, Rangers must beat Glasgow City, while Celtic have to win at Motherwell to keep the current status quo. But as we know with football... Anything can happen. It's going to be nervy, that's for sure, so we decided to get the view from the camps of the top two teams as they prepare to go all-in in their respective quest for glory. We joined in the press conference for Glasgow City and got the chance to put some questions to their head coach, Scott Booth, and I asked him what winning this title would mean to him compared to the others. I think uh, it's, you know, it was, like, for, to give you an example, um, winning the Scottish Cup again uh, was, was something that... I'd set out um, for the players to 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 deliver uh, because we'd we'd lost it and hadn't got it back for a little while and and, and I felt that obviously the league title um, was important but I also tried to to make the the winning of that cup as as important um, in a different way and it was amazing that the players were able to deliver and that for me felt like a you know, a, a great achievement to, to to come back and have the two trophies. So, um, this this will definitely rank up there just because of the, the the sort of hardship that we've all been through, and the un the unknown, and the players have all dealt with that so well, and they've got themselves into a, a, a strong position. And if we can, you know, get over the line, that would be fantastic. Now, fans and observers, I'm sure, have, have enjoyed watching this title race unfold this year. I'm sure it's the same for all these guys here. Can it be exciting as a coach when you get it right down to the wire like this? Well, it is exciting. It's exciting every week. I think I think when you go into to games, you, you're you're never quite sure how they're going to go. You, you plan as, as as well as you can, but you've you've also got opposition players that you're up against, and you know you know. Players are, are are individuals. Obviously, they're part of a team, but you know they can, you know, have a, a bad day like anybody else can. So you just never know, and that's why it is always exciting going to to, to games. And um, I think this season, in that way, more more so than ever, that you know the games have been tough, and a lot of that's been down to the the, the preparation. And as we said, a lot of new players coming in. So there's a lot of unknowns um, out there, but I think we've we've done well to to get that togetherness, and you know I think um, that helps you um, relax a bit that you that you feel that you trust the the players to go and get the job done. Now Rangers, of course, have put 
um, some backing into their team this year, some top quality players they've signed. How impressed have you been by them this season and, and their progress? Yeah, I think Rangers have done well. I think um, obviously Celtic's done well too. Um, and yeah, I, I think you know Spartans as a as a as a club have done you know really well. So I just think that um, yeah, it's nice to see the the competition coming throughout. I think it's going to increase even more. Again, that's good. Um, but I think you can see how how much the all the clubs doing what they can has raised the profile of women's game in Scotland. Scott Booth joining us on Free Kick, part of the Sports Social Network. We're staying with Glasgow City a little longer, and also joining us on the press conference was defender Janine Van Vaek to look ahead to the game with Rangers on Sunday. Janine joined Rangers last summer, and in her career has become South Africa's highest-capped male or female player, led Banyana Banyana in the 2019 Women's World Cup, and played for Houston Dash in the NWSL in America. So, after a turbulent year in Glasgow because of COVID and a knee injury she sustained, I asked what it would mean to come out with a title to show for her time in Scotland. Well, I'm excited. It would be my first title um, for any team, any club. So it will mean a lot to me in my career. Never won a league title before. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely excited for the game. I know it's in our hands. Um, and we will do whatever it takes to hopefully get that gold medal around our necks and lifting the trophy once again for the 14th time. But me being part of it, I'm, you know, overwhelmed by it and um, just happy that I was part of this club um, this season and, um, you know, helping to contribute to get to the stage in, in the season. Now, other than winning the league title, if it happens, and the Champions League qualification, what would you say is the biggest thing you would take from this season and your experience in Scotland so far? I think just the difficult times that we went through. I don't think any footballer would have... Um, you know, prepared mentally and physically to be in a situation where you play on and off football, um, coming to to training and then obviously COVID happened and then having to be in lockdown and training at home in by yourself um, individually and then coming together again as a group and me being injured um, played a huge part, you know, going back to South Africa and then returning and missing the first part of the season. Um, so there's been a lot of emotions um that's been been part of this journey um, this season, and I think just you know ending it on a high would just make everything just feel feel good. I mean, given your experience, are you a player that gets nervous ahead of big games like this? And, and if so, how do you handle those nerves? No, I think every game. I mean, player, and for me, a big game, you always <clears throat> you always feel a little bit nervous, but I think that's normal, um, especially for me. But I've played at, at major competitions, played at the World Cup against quality teams, quality players. Um, and with the experience that I carry, um, I still I still have those nerves, but it's good nerves. It makes me feel that I'm ready and ready to rise to the occasion. And um, I always feel that I play better under pressure. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. And finally, for me, You've played Rangers a couple of times this year, lost one and won one, as was uh, indicated earlier. What's the key to beating them on Sunday and, and finally getting that trophy? Hard work from every single individual in the team. Um, that's what it will take. And obviously on the day, we know it's a, it's a big game, but um, 
you know, football is unpredictable. Anything can happen. It's one last game. We can't look at our previous performances or our previous results against them. It's about two once at the most on the day. And, um, you know, I think it would just come down to hard work and um, just being together on the field and getting the best result possible. Welcome back to Free Kick, part of the Sports Social Network. Before the break, you heard Janine Van Veek of Glasgow City looking ahead to their big clash with Rangers on Sunday in the SWPL finale. Heading across Glasgow, and it's not just City who are in for the title, of course. Celtic's women's team are ominously poised, three points behind, and not a lot between them in goal difference, waiting and hoping that Rangers, of all teams, can do them a favour. Celtic are away at Motherwell, and I got the chance to catch up with their manager, Fran Alonso, to talk about the game. And as you'll hear, it's not just the title he's hoping for, but a place in what's going to be a very financially lucrative Champions League next season. But regardless of the outcome, Fran told me how proud he is of his team and their efforts throughout a challenging 2020 21 campaign. I've been very proud um, all season. I think we've been extremely unlucky with the two lockdowns. That's the, the only two defeats so far came after the two lockdowns, uh, where we've been given only four weeks to prepare. Um, but apart from those two games, and then, you know, obviously a, a, a draw that we managed to rescue a point uh, in the last two minutes of, of a game against Forfar. It's been, you know, 100% winning record every other game. So it's, it's extremely difficult in a league like this one, playing three times each team. And regardless of what happened on Sunday, I'm extremely proud. It's, it's, we already, with the win last Sunday, we already beat the, the historical record of points of, of the team. And, you know, we, we might achieve a, then another record on Sunday if we manage to to, um, to beat Motherwell, uh, which is qualified for Champions League, which is, you know, a dream of us. So, yeah, a fantastic season regardless of what happens Sunday and very proud of, of the team. But it must seem a bit strange that you're needing a favour from, of all teams, Rangers to beat Glasgow City on Sunday for you to uh, pip them to the title. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, for, for us... Is massive to get into a Champions League football. Uh, the UEFA has, has uh, destined, destined a lot of resources to this uh, year Champions League. So financially, is massive for the club, especially after COVID. So you know, we, we really we really want to be there. It's, 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 it was extremely difficult, and now we can we can see it. It's, it's one game away. So we will do our very best to win the game, and then, as you say, if we manage to 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 score. Um, more than three goals, or to win, sorry, by by three goals, and then obviously Rangers win their game, then we, we could become champions. But uh, obviously that's something we cannot control. Um, I think the three top teams, uh, they need to win this weekend, but they play each other, and both cannot win. So uh, whoever loses uh, this weekend is going to be devastated, and obviously Rangers have to win, because that's the only chance they got to potentially um, qualify for Champions League. Now, you joined Celtic in January 2020 before the madness of the coronavirus really took hold. But how much have you enjoyed the experience of working here in Scotland so far? Ah, it's, been, it's been very good. I uh, I come from from a, another uh, football city in UK, which was Liverpool, which was uh, amazing. The, the atmosphere on the streets, uh, obviously two, two, uh, two sets of fans very, very passionate about their teams. Um, and here is, is pretty much the same. Uh, you know, obviously, to 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 be clubs in the city in the women' game industry, but um, to be clubs in the city, so much passion uh, for for both clubs, and that's what moved me to to come here. I I lived this uh, already when I was in the Premier League, in the men Premier League in the changing room of Southampton, 
Um, we got we got former players of both teams, and uh, it was a great banter. Obviously, we were a family, so it wasn't any 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 bad feelings. It was just banter, and and I absolutely love it. And normally, always I was in the in the Celtic side. Uh, so far in these uh, in these months here, it's been already fourteen months, I think, 14, 15 months. Um, and yeah, I, I I love it. It's been very hard. It's been very hard because of the lockdowns. Uh, living here on my own, uh, it's been tough. But uh, you know, really football is what what we love, and now that we are, uh, we got the opportunity every week to play. You know, it's, it's just so enjoyable. Now with the weather and being able to to to, to go a little bit more out, um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, so I can wait for for the good for a good season. Hopefully, one more game, and then to explore a little bit of the country because with football, I, I didn't have much time to to visit the country. But I see pictures. I I've been told, and, and you know, it's beautiful, and I can wait to to know a little bit more. And of course, you've talked about the, the importance of reaching the Champions League for, for Celtic, which would be huge, of course. But of course, if you were to win the league, you would end a long, long domination by Glasgow City. 13 titles in a row. What would it mean to steal it off them? I mean, uh, it's not about stealing it from them. It means about it would be our first ever uh, title in our first ever uh, professional Um so it, it would be it would be massive. Uh, we know we got a we got a, a medium to long term project. Uh, we got ten teenagers in the team. It's a very very young squad, uh, and we knew we would do well because you know we we are putting a lot of work uh, from the board to 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 the players to the backroom staff. We are working very very hard and and very very well. Uh, but you know we didn't know we will get uh, already rewards this this season. We will we wanted to give it a go. But we wouldn't know if it was possible. Now, Champions League uh, is is in our hands, which is amazing. Uh, and then you know we take the, the league to, to the last game of the season, which again is is so impressive. It hasn't been like that for many years. I think one year was like that, and the rest of the years it was a kind of easy easy for Glasgow City. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm delighted. Um, it's not about taking it from them. For me, it's about it's about us. Uh, we need to try to grab the Champions League, and then if the other two circumstances go our way. I don't know. We are going to celebrate like crazy because this is is unbelievable. It's been hard for everyone, uh, and the, the reward at the end of the season would be something uh, fantastic. I really, really hope uh, for my players that we are uh, lucky enough to, to to get this Champions League spot. And you know, the other if the other scenario happened, I don't know that that would be like an amazing dream. But again, it's two conditions that you know um, it's not in our hands. So we have to focus on on what we can control, which is try to get the three points against Motherwell. Now, when reading up on you, I read about the pride you had in joining a club like Celtic. Obviously, the, the bigger Celtic names huge across world football. Tell us about that pride you have and why this means a lot to you to be at a club like Celtic. So it started so at Southampton uh, changing room. We got uh, former Celtic players like Victor Wanyama, Fraser Foster, Danny Fox, Josh Hoyle, um, Arthur Boruk. And then we got also Stephen Davis, who was a former Rangers. So they got always this banter. And, and I remember watching uh, watching a Glasgow derby uh, there in the TV, in the changing room. Uh, no, in the changing room, sorry, in the training ground. And, and you know, they, they leave the, the game like they were already, they were still in the club. Like the, the passion is still there. And I thought, oh, wow, that's something special. Because obviously in professional football, you see players coming from other teams and they don't really want that team to do well because maybe they... They left with bad feelings, so, but you know that wasn't the case at all with with the, with the former Celtic players. Uh, they were obsessed with the club. They still support the club, so it became a very very special club uh, for me. I get quite close to Victor Wanyama, and, and you know, obviously Victor Wanyama is still a, a, a fan 
of, of Celtic, they're still every time we win with the girls or whatever, they always they always uh, like or tweet or they always do something. Uh, so it's, it's a, it was a very special club. And then, you know, really when I when I learned about the interest, you know, I thought, wow, what an opportunity. Uh, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Actually, the, uh, when I first signed, um, a couple of days later, we went to Gran Canaria and I saw something I couldn't even imagine. Uh, we played there at Bayer Berkusen, a friendly And we got a big group of fans uh, singing in English, in a terrible English accent. They're all Spanish. And I asked them, say, well, what team do you support? Uh, and she's Celtic. And I said, no, but in Spain. Said, we, we don't support anything in Spain. We are Celtic fans. And I said, but you're Spanish. Said, yeah, I couldn't <laughs> believe, you know, how, how, massive, how massive the club is. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. And, you know, I, I love, I came here because of the passion. And, you know, I'm a very passionate man. And, And, you know, the club really, really match my, my ambitions and my ethos and my values. And, you know, it, it just it just fit very well with me. And, and that's why I'm, I'm happy, you know. And um, I, I really, really hope that we can. I know it's been a tough, tough year for fans. And we were looking forward for, to, make, to make history with this three in a row. And unfortunately, it couldn't, it couldn't happen. So hopefully we can. Uh, it won't be the same, the same next time, of course. But hopefully we can pay a little bit back and, and we can make them feel a little bit proud of the club because, you know, it's, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of good, successful years and, you know, uh, with the triple-treble uh, this year and then if we manage to, to, to qualify for Champions League or even more, then, then still it would, be, it would be a very good year. So hopefully uh, our fans can pick a little bit of pride and, and pay a little bit banter to, to, to the other side of Glasgow. Sure. Now we know the women's game has grown quite considerably in the UK and I suppose you're kind of ideal to ask given you, your previous experience. England of course the WASL is, is quite huge, we've seen a lot of big names play there. How do you find the standard in Scotland and can it get anywhere near that kind of potential that England has right now? Um, I think the, the, the top three teams in Scotland, they, they could be, you know, uh, middle, middle to high of the table in the WASL, uh, no doubt about that. Um, the, the quality of the players, you know, if you say If you see City, they got a, 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 a national team captain in the team. Uh, you know, Rangers, they have signed all seniors international. So there is a lot of quality. Uh, that quality, some of the WSL teams, they don't have as much. Um, of course, in terms of the league, uh, the, 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 WS, the WSL is much more competitive because every club is, is you know, uh, they got the structure of the club. They, every club is professional. Um, and they got a massive help as well from, from the English FA uh, financially. Uh, so... But in terms of in terms of you know the, the 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 top three teams and then maybe you know Spartans Heaps you know always always give you tough games they compete well uh, some of the players get expenses so it's growing and the good thing about the Scottish League is in the past you know when I was in England we always look at the Scottish League and we knew the best players of the league they always wanted to leave uh, now it's not the case now you know players like uh, Lisi Arnold or Zoines or in in our case you know we attract players from Oil Rain and Afilby from Spurs so they are actually interested in the Scot in the Scottish league so they come here and and, and you know most of these players they come to stay they don't come to play a few months and then come back to England uh, you know obviously here you got the opportunity to play Champion League uh, now we got two spots Champion League spots and that's credit to to how well Glasgow City has done in 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 the in the last couple of years Um, and we, you know, we improve these UEFA um, coefficients. So it's, you know, it's, it's a very, it's, it's, it's a very good league. Uh, we have done a lot since I'm here, since I started. You know, I mean, things like we didn't have appropriate time for warm up. I, I, I mean, but how, how is now? Wow, it's, it's so much better, so much better. 
Um, we got videos every game to analyze, which we didn't have at the beginning. So slowly, but we are we are we are growing. And then I think it's massive the the, the cover, the fantastic cover that BBC is doing, BBC Alba, or BBC Online. You know, the, the covering the games, the the highlights package. I think is is outstanding because you can see already uh, people in the street. They recognize the girls. They you know they talk about about the women game. They they know the names. They know the game we are gonna play. So it's, it's growing a lot, the passion. It helped as well that the that the men's the men's season is finished and we are still playing because that's the only football we can see now in TV. So it's quite it's quite exciting. Um I, I think I think the league is 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 good and I think it's gonna be better. I think it's gonna grow uh, it's gonna grow in terms of bring quality from outside and in terms of resources for for uh, for the rest of the teams. I believe we are gonna go up to, to ten teams again, which will mean more games and you know, hopefully uh, the two teams that qualify for Champion League uh, from the top three, which are the only ones that got uh, possibilities, they do well. They do well in the Champion League and keep and keep uh, you know taking the, the league, the the name of the league out there in Europe. Um, because still people think that uh, Scottish League that, that's that's not good enough, but they are wrong and they, they should they should um, they should look at it a little bit more in detail and see that it's actually a league that is growing massively. So, looking ahead to Sunday, your game with Motherwell is on at the same time as Glasgow City's game with Rangers. So, are you going to have one eye on that one? Or are you going to fully concentrate on your game and then just take it as it comes? Just to have, a, have a look when, when everything's by. I I will try to to um, to tell everyone, uh, all the staff and players, to try to try to focus on our game. Uh, maybe the last ten minutes we will, we will check um, <laughs> if if we if, if the result is going our way. Maybe we will check, but you know. Think about if we, if the game doesn't go our way, if we if we are not winning, then the best thing that can happen to us is Rangers losing. So that's the trickiest scenario. You know, we the, the, we we haven't had the, we haven't qualified for Champions League yet. We need to fight for this position, and we are fighting for this position with Rangers because Glasgow City already are in the Champions League. So it's a little bit tricky, um, you know, because obviously we would love to be able to win the league, although it's not in our hands. But the goal and the dream is, is to qualify for Champions League. That's, that's what is uh, very, very important. So it's a tricky scenario. I, I thought, and I don't know what's the right answer there, uh, I think we just, we just focus on ourselves and maybe the last 10 minutes, if the, if the game against Motherwell is going well, if we are winning, uh, then maybe, maybe we can check to see what the others are doing and, and you know, if we can do something to help. But uh, yeah, main thing is, is to get the three points, if we can, against a team that is much more improved than the first time we played them. They're very well organized. Their counter-attack is quite efficient. They create a, a lot of chances last time we played them. Um, so, so yeah, we, we know it's not going to be an easy game. And if we are not focused or if we underestimate them, we might struggle. So our, the focus has to be in our game. Um, and you, you just hope that, hope that the, other, the other game go our way, whatever that means. This is Free Kick, part of the Sports Social Network. Welcome back. Fran Alonso, Celtic women's coach, ahead of the big SWPL showdown on Sunday, and best of luck to all teams and players involved. Finally, we go from Celtic women to Celtic's men's team and the ongoing saga that has become the vacant managerial position at Parkhead. Former Bournemouth boss Eddie Howe, who looked to be locked in to replace Neil Lennon, didn't go through, leaving the club to seek another potential new manager. They've now turned to Yokohama Marino's boss, Ange Postacoglu, a former Australian national team boss, and the process is ongoing to bring him 
into Scotland, UEFA coaching licence notwithstanding. Joining me to discuss that and Scotland's preparations for the Euros, including Wednesday's 2-2 draw with the Netherlands, is world soccer writer Phil Gordon. And I began by asking if it was wise for Celtic to go all in for Postacoglu, having done so with Eddie Howe and coming out with nothing. Um, I think the, the whole idea that you would suddenly discover the manager of your dreams is always a bit naive. Um, so I think you're, you're maybe always better having, it's a bit like girlfriends, don't always just think there's a there's only going to be one, maybe you should have a second or third, a, a, a third choice or whatever, but you actually, with managers as well, now there's such a, a, a rapid turnover as well, uh, and I think it's changed a lot, even in the, the people keep, particularly with Celtic, are going to kind of reference a lot of the, the, the summer when uh, Martin Neal was brought in, in, in 2000, um, you know, and the changes that were made then, and the, the fact that they were able to, uh, and at the time, able to persuade such a big name uh, in England to come here, uh, you know, very much at the time, wages were very kind of similar between Scotland and England then. But uh, the process is a lot uh, is a lot more kind of uh, difficult now, simply because you can. Uh, I don't think I've actually known a summer like this in terms of top managerial movement everywhere. Your idea that you can have a guarantee into a job, just it doesn't exist. So I think, uh, well, well, everybody at Celtic and uh, the fans are kind of wanting uh, something happen, happen quicker rather than uh, that it's going on. So, yeah, your idea that somebody might have a, either a good CV to you or you know, been recommended, etc. It's, I think here you realise that Scottish jobs are kind of, people kind of maybe put them down a wee bit. You want somebody who's going to do the right job. And uh, I, know, I know all about Postacoglu's because uh, I was, uh, an, uh, about 10 or 11 years ago, uh, uh, I did a piece on uh, Eric Partaloo for the, the, the Times. And obviously Eric had played in the, uh, at Morton and Gretna, who had done a new Davy Irons. So that was how he put me in touch with uh, Eric. And he had gone to Brisbane Roar just about the time Postacoglu was uh, taking there. There were three years between sort of, uh, 2010 and 2013, which they were the dominant team. He's not uh, a name that's obviously uh, a potential successor to Neil Lennon. Um, and, you know, but if he's there, uh, what, he's record, what he had done there in Australia at that particular time was was more than surprising. Uh, but obviously, I think the the thing though that um, that Celtic would have to be having the question mark about is the lack of the UEFA license. And you mentioned the, the coaching license issue that, that there is with Postacoglu right now. I mean, surely when Celtic were, were doing their due diligence, when they realised that Eddie Howe wasn't going to come, they must have known that in the background that that was going to be an issue for them. Well, you would say surely, but I suppose we all would find out. It's only when you put in uh, the insurance claim, <laughs> you suddenly find out that, uh, all right, you, you maybe, maybe found out that uh, you thought you were doing doing it the right way and somebody else filled in some either filled in something wrongly or maybe he didn't uh, correctly an, a, answer it you know if he's uh, if he said it or his agent has said it then 
that's a that's one thing. Uh, I can only imagine though he wasn't first choice, so the the plan B is so is maybe only kind of been more relevant in terms of his uh, you know over the last week or so when Sadie Howe said what he did. Um, but with the due diligence thing, you know you you can only it can only work two ways. If Celtic have said, do you have the license? And they have been told either by the agent or the or the coach himself, yes, I do. Then then that goes back to uh, somebody not telling you the the truth. Um, then uh, oof, where would you be if people didn't tell you the truth? So dare we consider the possibility if something was to happen and Postacoglu ends up not coming to Scotland, Celtic are back in, in square one. I mean, how big a setback would that be, given that time is of the essence? You're talking about Champions League qualifiers coming soon, pretty much immediately after the Euros are finished, and t- time is ticking. The Euros are on. Now, I don't know for a fact from having trying to contact somebody the other day at one of the, the Belgium uh, camps and all the rest of it. Most uh, most international camps are, are locked down. They don't want to be having outside calls, whether it's agents, clubs, or, you know, for for players or, 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 or managers. So I think the greatest issue, and people can maybe don't understand that, you know, most of Celtic's uh, playing squad is tied up with the Euros. Uh, so you wouldn't be, so there wouldn't be any players for the whoever's there at, to train anyway. And equally, Managers also kind of can't even necessarily. Let's just say, you know, the guy had whoever it was was going to be appointed had a had a wish list of half a dozen players that he wanted to bring in right away. You know, let's just say if you know if you were going to lose Elvi, if you were going to lose odds on Edouard, you were going to get to sign Olivier Giroud or somebody else as a you know a potential replacement. But all of these players can't move either. They're also not really allowed to speak to anybody when it comes to the, you know, the Euros. Quite often, you know, the idea that you can move things ahead is uh, kind of good in, in theory, but it's not always a, it's not always a guarantee. And sometimes you do have to just operate off the hoof and decide, you know, right, okay, I think I like that player rather than some of the other, some of the other players. Um, they obviously still have a lot of players to shift it. They have shifted out of the way they had loan, a lot of loan signings. And uh, I think many of them won't, are not coming back anyway. So, yeah, th- there are some spaces to fill. Um, I'm not as like, not as kind of a pessimistic about things about that, simply because I, I covered a lot of Scottish football last season, covered St. Johnston a lot. Uh, and I don't see as many poor players out there as a, as a lot of people do, that you kind of think everybody else always says, all right, why have you not had, uh, you know, why, why do we not have all these players in Scotland? I just don't think they get the recognition they get until it's like a John McGinn and, and they move to Aston Villa and then they become the, the sort of bee's knees. But I remember John McGinn, you know, struggling in a St. Mirren team, a very young, that was getting relegated. and see him one night at Far Park. I think it was a night that the relegation was confirmed. And uh, there you go, that was... Uh, that was one of the best things that happened to John again because you have to have a you have to have a, a setback whether it's manager or player to succeed. So you know he went on to go stratospheric in terms of his, his career. Um, I would think though, Celtic obviously want to get a manager 
sort of quicker than later. But I always feel that the thing when the World Cup tournament or the Euros are on, it makes it more difficult because I've seen it from my own eyes, not just with, with the agents uh, can't get the to the player or the manager that uh, that, they, that they did. But all of a sudden, yeah, they've, they also got other offers all of a sudden. I would think uh, Celtic uh, will want to have it done at least whoever's coming in they will want to have somebody within a couple of weeks now Let's talk about Scotland while I've got you Phil um, I don't want to age you here I don't certainly don't want to age me um, but it's certainly nice to be looking ahead to a major tournament where Scotland are involved I'm certainly excited for it what about you? Oh yeah I definitely it's a kind of a, very much a, you kind of forget how the whole you, well, I grew up just going to, get, going to every tournament or if not as a fan and watching it on TV and, uh, you know, I kind of went into Italian 90 as a fan and then covered France 98. Uh, but, you know, I can remember Scotland, Scotland being the, being the World Cup was the, the, the almost like a five in a row between 74 and and, and 90. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I, I was kind of fortunate enough to, when I worked at Eden Times, um, I covered Euro 92, which was the first time that we'd been in any of them. And then obviously Euro 96 as well was a kind of a, a kind of similar story of quite unlucky. Uh, and then I think uh, in some ways, you know, I'm a big admirer of Steve Clark. Uh, I think he's actually, I've seen what, I saw what he did at Kilmarnock with the, I was just covering them a lot at the time in terms of uh, games that he had to, you know, he basically had to deal with, because you know, he already inherited a squad. He was about five or six months away from the next transfer window and turned the, the relegation team from that into a third place team that was beating Celtic Rangers, getting into Europe, etc. So I think he has done this, slowly done the same with Scotland, um, but on the basis of, a, you know, last night, our game against the, the Dutch the other night, I think he, he's given... It's not just the celebrity in terms of the at the back. He's given the, the players a lot more kind of confidence going forward. You know, I'm always a kind of a always a big. Uh, I haven't seen Kieran Tierney over the you know since he was a 16 year old um, and the likes of uh, seen Andy Robertson when he was at Dundee United and everything. I always kind of saw these players coming through, and it was never it was never any idea in my mind that we didn't have players. That were talented. And Kevin Gallagher, who said that you know he uh, he looked at them all and said he he thought there was talent here, even though he was kind of looking. Even though Kevin lives in the you know in Blackburn now, but he he felt there was a, a talent that just uh, wasn't ever getting the chance to to shine. I think now that uh, you know the excitement that's been generated by not being involved for so long has actually helped us in a way. Um, Probably better the other night that, that we didn't beat the Dutch because uh, that might have, having remembered Sergeant Tina 78, that might have actually uh, taken the uh, the thing into another level of like, expectation. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, and, and the thing about people who forget about Argentina 78 was that you know, we really had a very good team. Literally a month before Kenny Douglas scored in the winning goal for Liverpool in the, uh, the Champions League final against you know, at Wembley against Bruges, and Game Souness is in it. Joe Jordan, a top player and a top striker, scoring in three three World Cups on the road. So you were, we were, uh, 
we were foolish enough to be saying we were going to win in Argentina, I think. But I think it was a kind of reflection of it was a reflection of the optimism in the country at the time, um, and when it hit, you know, and when we didn't, even though we had the, the win over the, the Dutch and Archie Gamble's goal, that sort of notwithstanding, it was definitely a, a huge setback. I think it actually, and it took the country, the public, a good few years to kind of get over. Argentina 78. So with this one, I definitely sense it's like it's a huge shame that you know there's been no fans. You because you'd be able to measure it and there's sort of been you able to sort of see people out all the time. The whole idea of the, the sort of built the sort of build up definitely have caught on. But I think that's definitely how the way it feels. It feels to me like the best. Um, you know, the maybe absence makes the heart grow fonder. So maybe that's that, that's helped us. Definitely. And you mentioned that the game of the Netherlands the other night, a 2-2 draw it was, goals from Jack Hendry and Kevin mm-hmm. Nisbet. And again, I think maybe Steve Clark was forced into a position where he had to play players he maybe didn't want, well, maybe um, not so much didn't want to play, but didn't have uh, or wasn't going to play because of the, yeah. obviously the seven that missed out due to the, the COVID scare. But how encouraged will he have been by that performance? And does it give him any potential headaches for the opening game against the Czech Republic coming soon? I think, I think every manager tells you they want to have headaches. They, they all tell you they know their own team in their head. But, I, you know, I, I've never seen a, a game yet where either you're, you have your first choice team available. They very rarely happen. Um, you know, famously, Celtic beat Barcelona under Neil Lennon and did it with a, a Spanish reserve striker because Gary Hooper, top scorer, didn't start that night, which is why Tony Watt came off the bench to score the goal. I think from Steve Clark's point of view was he, we were looking at the squad a few months ago, particularly in March for the Nations League game, came around and we thought we were a bit thin in some positions, but players have grown into roles. Uh, the other thing is that Scott McTominay has kind of, was being used in both and back in March, he did so well that in the defensive role that you think now nah, right, get him back in defence the way it was. But he's had such a stellar season for Man United in the midfield. You can't really sort of uh, do that. So that that's so he was on the bench the other night. So we didn't we didn't use Scott McTominay there. And it was I mean this was certainly for me that Having seen Hibs a few times, covered Hibs a few times this season, I'd seen Nisbet score the goals. I thought he had the he had the physicality. For me, he was the one guy who, if I would, and I, and I did choose him for, I selected some squad for uh, World Soccer, the, the people that I would do some stuff for, uh, and managed to, managed to get most of them right. But Nisbet was one of the ones that I went for, even on the basis then of not having any caps, because he was the one I thought I had the potential to move up a wee bit. Uh, his mobility was pretty good. He worked hard. Um, and he always seemed to have an eye for the chance. Jack Henry definitely has added a bit more to his game. I mean, it's maybe possibly helped Jack being away in Belgium and being out of scrutiny a lot because he was he was struggling big time at Celtic for confidence. Uh, I mean, you do that, you know, like the fans don't have the confidence in you either. So if you're able to go and play your game without that, and develop all young defenders need the time to develop. And I think, yeah, obviously, if you've got a wee uh, potential either issue, uh, the other thing is that I think you, you, every manager would say you want to have somebody that you can do or bring somebody on 
in a game or react to the situation. Your plan A might think is the what it's going to be that if you get you get an injury to someone, and I think that's quite good that he's discovered. Uh, well, not he hasn't discovered, uh, but James Forrest is always a, a willing worker. Uh, the Celtic fans will, will understand how hard the, the guy works. People only see James as a kind of front player, but there are no such luxuries in football. It's certainly not a Steve Clark team. He wants all these players to work hard. And I actually thought that was one of the kind of, James Ford was one of the sort of quiet successes of the, because he's just trying to get back in the Dutch game the other night, that uh, that role. Um, and I think obviously with Stephen O'Donnell, which uh, is probably, you know, he would still probably still be Steve Clark's first pick. But it might come to it that he might want to decide that, yeah, there you go. I would, I would go with James Forrest in a specific instance. Um, the other thing is that Kieran Tierney has worked out so well. And to, I mean, thought that we couldn't get either him or Andy Robertson into a team. We're now using them both really well, and they both understand each other's game very well. It was actually Robertson the other night. I know he Robertson counter attacked to set up the second goal, where it was actually Robertson in the first half who was sitting back on the wing and letting Tierney go forward and covering in for him. It was a sort of reversal of his, of his Liverpool thing, you know, where he's I think Klopp Klopp more than anything else is a almost like a standard better for Scottish football because he doesn't have any he's got nothing he's got nothing, no investment in her game. But by doing what he did for Andy Robertson and kind of investing the kind of faith in him and the belief that, you know, he was, because he, he was way better than Ablo at Liverpool and he just need, he needed a chance. Klopp gave him it and then said, no, I don't want you to just do this. I want you to keep on pushing. Uh, and it's, it's great to watch when you see Andy Robertson play for Liverpool because uh, I actually think um, he's one of the top left banks in Europe. And finally, Luxembourg are up next on Sunday. It's the final warm-up game and we'll be hoping to see some of the players that missed out from the game on Wednesday. Are there any of the, the sort of newer players you'd like to see more of, um, certainly in the Luxembourg game and maybe into the tournament as well? The newer players, I, uh, we didn't get much of Billy Gomer the other night. Anything I've seen for, for Chelsea, he's, he's done well. Um, so he might be the one that, um, that particularly, if, if it is Luxembourg, he, he would be go with from the start. You know, David Turnbull for me is that kind of fortune to have seen David right back at the at the start of his his motherwell time and you know I could have made him player of the season that year and he was uh, so you know he's he's been the he's been the one person who has proved to me that he's it's good to kind of take a, a risk with young Scottish players. I know some older managers a long time ago would have said no no you're too young you need to just you have to come through the under twenty ones but you know, if England were doing the doing it, particularly this this season, England were kind of going quite big on bringing through Bellingham at Dortmund, even though he's only eighteen. And yeah. yeah, so I was glad that we did the same. I'd like to see us do it with uh, Gilmer too. And I think obviously, if uh, you're playing against Luxembourg, I suppose defensively, that's not what you're wanting to to kind of work on. So you'd be hoping it's it's the forward players. And uh, again. Probably, you know, Nisbet will get a start, I would think, uh, because I would, if, I think, if I'm being honest, I don't think uh, over the last six months, Lyndon Dykes hasn't really, yeah, 
much as as he as he was a success in the role early on, and you know worked out really well for him and for Clark. I would say Lyndon Dykes going into the tournament. Um, if he'd scored the goal the other night against the Dutch, uh, as he should have had in the first half, then he might have helped his confidence. So you would say, yeah, maybe if it's a given that it's Luxembourg you're going in with, maybe you would start with uh, with Nisbet and uh, you know bring off the. You know, so Lee Dykes to, to sit on the bench for this one. Welcome back to Free Kick, part of the Sports Social Network. And that was football writer Phil Gordon who joined us to talk about Celtic and Scotland ahead of the Euros. Before we go, we've seen a few managers take up new positions in the last week or so, so congratulations to Barry Ferguson, who's taken up the reins at Alloa Athletic after leaving newly promoted Kelty Hearts, who themselves appointed former Rangers and Hibs midfielder Kevin Thompson. Peter Grant, who left Alloa at the end of the season, has replaced Stevie Crawford at Dunfermline Athletic. Billy Dodds is the new head coach at Inverness Cali Thistle, replacing John Robertson, who has moved upstairs, while Paul Sheeran has come in at Falkirk in League One, and Stephen Farrell, has replaced Jim Duffy at Dumbarton, leaving Stranraer. Is that us all up to date? Good stuff. Next week, we're getting ready for the Euros, and we can't wait, so listen out for that. But that's about it for Free Kick, the Scottish football podcast, and this podcast is now part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, the UK's first dedicated sport podcast network. So find the next show you'll love or join the team at www.sport-social.co.uk. In the meantime, I want to thank my guests, Scott Booth, Janine Van Vake, Fran Alonso and Phil Gordon. I'll be back next week, so take care, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk